If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is Kristen Stewart. Well, the first time that I saw Breathless, I, I, loved, I loved Jean in it. But that initially was my only knowledge of her. I knew that she was sort of like French darling and came from the States and spoke French with a funny accent and had like, you know, just sort of jumped off the screen and felt present and honest in a way that American movie stars of that time didn't, didn't feel. And I had no idea that she was ultimately really like viciously attacked by the American government for supporting equality and being an activist in the sixties, which many people were. Yeah, that's something that... This is Trey Epps. This is Danny Taverner. And this is Required Watching, where we watch the essential films from a list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. I'm your host, Trey. And listen, I, as long as you're ever on the show, you are the official slash unofficial co-host. Hell yeah. Damn, what's going on? <laughs> what are we doing today? So right now we're looking at 1960. Yeah, 1960's Breathless by my guy, Jean-Luc. Godard. Godard. Can you say the, the title in French? <laughs> I call it about about the souffle. <laughs> French New Wave, man. I, French New Wave is fantastic, to be perfectly honest. Listen, if you have never seen this film, it is about a small-time thief who steals a car and impulsively murders a motorcycle policeman. Wanted by the authorities, he reunites with a hip American journalist student and attempts to persuade her to run away with him to Italy. As we already alluded to, this is a French New Wave film, so I'm excited. Again, very, uh, I can only very, to it. Very Bonnie and Clyde. Do you think? I, I was thinking of Natural Born Killers a lot of it, even though they're not stylistically at all the same. But just like yeah. this reckless, <laughs> careless abandon and kind of love. I listen, I am I'm hearing you. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I, I haven't seen actual Born Killers in such a long time, so I, I can't I can't disagree or agree, but I, I'm hearing you. Of course, this film about the souffle, aka Breathless, is directed by Jean-Luc Godard, written by Francois Truffaut. Or at least the treatment was done by Francois Truffaut, starring Jean-Paul Belmondo. I'm sure I'm butchering his name. And Gene Sebring. Just really quickly, there's a lot going on. Like within the cast and crew in and of itself, there's a lot going on. I just want to touch on this really quickly. French New Wave is, at like the, I believe, at like the starts during these films. Like this film came out a year after a year or two after 400 blows. So, so like, like Godard and Truffaut and about four or five other directors were a part of like this, I guess maybe pop culture kind of classified them and grouped them together. But of course, like this, 
I imagine they were all homies who <laughs> who helped each other out on films and I guess led the way for what we now know as French New Wave. What which at this present time in 2020, I could only say kind of majorly helped shape cinema as we know it now, especially Normcore. Like I I, I watched this film and I was I, all I thought was like uh you know like Duplass brother movies and yeah. Oh, we were Greta Gerwig and stuff like that. Like we were talking about before, they had Greta Gerwig, all those like indie kind of the way of life movies. Right, right. This one, which I think, I think think this Breathless definitely felt more, uh, like what we think of New Wave than Four Hundred Blows. I think like between the jump cuts and the. Almost not senseless dialogue, but uh, dialogue that's unrelated oh. to what's going on. That dialogue was it. It may be my second or third note. I was like, I don't, I don't. I'm, I, this is like one of the first movies I was like, I need to I, write notes down to keep track of everything. I put it on more or less casually, and immediately I was like, I need to devote <laughs> way more attention to this movie than I thought. Not, I mean, not that I was distracted or anything, but I was like, oh, I really have to pay attention here. There's a lot going on. No, because there are there are films, even even subtitled films. Because I don't know about you, but I don't speak French. But there are definitely those films where I can look down for a second and look up, and I know exactly what's still going on. I miss a line or two, but I know what's happening. I could not do that with this because we're talking we're talking about like death one second, and we're talking about like love and relationships, and like the police uh, a different second. And like just like you said, I, I guess with New Wave in general, right? Like the editing was insane so jump and, and it was the jumps where it's the same shot but it's clearly a different or it's the same angle but it's clearly a different shot and they just right and they, and they cut it along with the dialogue so it's very quick and almost like stream of consciousness and it feels i guess in current films that same technique is used in like dream sequences i feel like a lot right 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 so it feels almost like dreamy and not real. And that mixed with what they're talking about, it's, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. No, I mean, the, the, I think there's a big portion of this film and I think there's a big portion of this film that feels disjointed. Not that it doesn't make sense, but it does feel disjointed, which is, again, is a part of the whole French New Wave thing. And I'm sure we'll get more into that either later on in this episode or maybe we'll, we'll revisit 400 Blows or something like that. But like when I look at 400 blows and how that is disjointed, I look at, I watch this film and I was like, I don't know what is going on. So therefore yeah. I need to pay attention and really understand. And very different from the other films that we, that we've watched previously. Like this film makes almost all of the sense. Like it's pretty straightforward. I think. Yeah. He's trying I to get her to run away with him. He's trying to, he's out on the lamb. He's out but, on the lamb. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's hard to place too because there, it is so straightforward that you start to question what's going on and, and their relationship and whether he's telling the truth and who even is this guy? How do they know each other? Like, it's a lot of right. things. A lot of things become questionable. I, I think I think just to kind of go through the film and kind of lead us this way is. The, the main character uh, played by Jean-Paul is called Michel and Michel 
is a thief. We see this instantly, and we see this like very clearly that he is a thief. He's talking to another woman and like stealing from her. Like we we see a lot going on in the first few shots of this film. He then steals a car. This all happens very quickly, but he then steals a car. The police are suddenly after him, and then the police are on motorcycles. He pulls the car over. And then he shoots, he, or sorry, while, while driving the stolen vehicle, he finds that there's a gun inside of it. And then he shoots the, the cop that on a motorcycle that was hunting him down. But again, all of this takes place in maybe five minutes. And the whole time he's, actually throughout the whole movie, he's acting like a like classic Hollywood movie star. Like he's kind of a yeah. dick. He's pretty smooth. He smokes a lot, but that could just be because he's French. I mean, I don't. Are we giving spoiler alerts on here? No, I mean, listen. It, no, no. Go for All it. Right. it be he, good for the at the end, when he dies, his last breath is a cloud of cigarette smoke. <laughs> All this, this, this entire movie, the black and white, the jump cuts, the it's such the epitome of French New Wave that that smoke <laughs> <laughs> just was the cherry on top of this French Sunday. I mean, I, what I thought was great, bringing up the smoke, is that there, at least I think there are so many jokes in this film. Maybe not so many, but there are a handful of jokes where I'm like, that's the funniest thing that you could possibly do. Because, and let's just jump to the end really quickly, is that when he dies, it's a solid 60 second scene, which mm. sounds very short, but it's the longest death scene I've ever seen. Yeah, he gets shot in the back <laughs> and then he runs for like four city blocks. <laughs> and it's... Uh, I, does it cut? I'm not even sure if it, I think it cuts maybe once. Yeah, I don't think so. If, if that, yeah, he's just running and this camera is following him and then he falls and then this is breath of smoke. Uh, he's, he's running so long that the cops pursuing him, I think, start walking to follow him. They're like, he'll, he'll stop eventually. <laughs> like, it's not a hot pursuit. Not a pursuit at all. I, you know, do we even see the cops? There's nothing going on. They're like, we'll get, we'll catch up. We'll catch up to him. It's it's absolutely fantastic. But to go back to the beginning of the film, as Michelle shoots the cop and almost almost instantly becomes a wanted man. Like as in like no one he shot this cop in the woods off the side of the road and no one's around yet. It was like it was like Grand Theft Auto. Like he just got all his stars up. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just knew where he was. Yeah, I, I found it crazy. I found it really yeah, I found it really, really crazy that everyone knew he shot the cop, or he shot the cop, and then the cops just started immediately looking for him. Now, no other suspects, they didn't want to question anyone else, they knew they knew their guy, and that's that was it. But all of that is almost, it's almost like a like B story compared to what's actually going on for 95% of the film, which is this, would you call this a love story? What, like, what, what would you call this? This relationship it's... between Michelle and, we're saying, Patricia. I don't know if it's a love story, more so a request or a uh, a long persuasion, a rekindling. He, she's very no, much like, yo, I'm not going to sleep with you tonight. Like, we'll hang out while you're in town, but all right, I got stuff to do. And he's like, no, we need to get back together tonight. I miss your body. You're just, like, he's very romantic, like a capital R romantic in in his pursuit of her. Like, very, but, like, we need to be together. This is the only chance. Run away with there, me. 
there was this weird yeah exactly i i think i i think you're absolutely right he was much more romantic about this pursuit than she was but then like while i'm in the middle of the film towards the end i was like wait was this love is this is this love does she feel the same way because only thing that's really coming out of his mouth is I want to sleep with you. Not that I love you. Not that we are meant to be. Like you know, none of the classic, you know, in traditional ways of of expressing uh, emotion, other than the fact that he wants to sleep with her. And he's um, also he's not nice about it. I don't know if this is oh, he's the rudest uh, guy in the like, world. Like a character trait of his, but he's he puts her down quite often she's american so she from time to time is asking oh what does this mean what how do you say this and he's just like oh he like wants her to quit her job that she's pursuing so she can be independent and then he's also like oh but come on just one more time yeah and he, he'll often say you make me sick or uh, uh or what what a fool or what a coward women are cowards yeah oh my gosh it's i, I think I think this is where where Americans got the idea that French people were so rude. Like if this was if this was the exposure in the sixties, not to say that every French film was like this, but if this was the exposure to France in the sixties, Americans would most definitely be like, French is so rude. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was watching it, how much of this movie plays or how much of this movie sparked our American stereotypes of French. Because they're both wearing stripes throughout the whole movie, smoking cigarettes constantly. He's kind of right. an asshole. She's not necessarily, she's just kind of a manic pixie dream girl almost. Like yeah, she's and, just and like, yeah. I'm, I'm just here to help your story. <laughs> uh, and mind you, she's, like, she's the only she's American. She's got a whole, like she's a journalist and she's interviewing these famous people who, are also being weird to her. Everyone, listen, I, I don't know if that was a comment on the times of a comment on just like sexuality in in general. Like, I'm not sure. Cause it felt so overt. Like the, the idea that Michelle keeps, keeps asking Patricia to sleep with him over and over and over and over again. Almost every fourth line was when are we going to sleep together? So then have, she patricia ends up interviewing uh an author and it's pretty it's pretty gross it's pretty weird i'll say weird not gross yeah um, it's like he just won't answer her questions yeah. i just assumed she's the only she's woman there. well she's also the only wasn't she the only woman there as well yeah i think she's the only woman i i don't know going back to michelle's dickishness I wasn't sure how much of that was him and how much of that was him trying to be like this Humphrey Bogart type of guy. Right. I, I, I completely time, agree with you. He, he's trying to live up to this, this picture of a bank robber, like bad boy. So I feel like sometimes he's overcompensating with his brashness. I mean, absolutely. We see, I mean, we, we get 30 seconds of this or so when he walks by a movie theater, sees a picture of Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart and just admires it. And like, like we are, we are cemented in what his personality type is. I, I, I meant to do some research on what 
what movies Humphrey Bogart was doing at the time this would have been, assuming that this was all present, present, present day. Because, you know, Humphrey Bogart made a long career off playing villains for quite some time mm-hmm. before he became like this leading man who, you know, we know from Casablanca and, and you know, other films, of course. I mean, but before I thought, before this movie came out, he had already been in Casablanca, Maltese Falcon, The Big Sleep. So he already had like a substantial career. Yeah, okay. <laughs> led up to, to this movie. I mean, and, th- and therefore we can deduce that, you know, this character, yeah, yeah. I mean, this, it, it makes perfect sense that this character is like, I'm going to do these things just because, because we don't know, we don't know, we don't know his backstory. We don't know any of this, mm-hmm. but I do find it interesting that he is, like, he's a talented petty thief, right? Like he's a slick con man. Oh yeah, uh, he's, he's good. But we, like, we have Correct me if I'm wrong. We have almost no idea why he's not doing almost anything else, or why he just doesn't leave. He really won't leave without her. He he really won't leave without. And it, this has nothing to do with the fact. And we do come upon this revelation that she's pregnant. And we come. We, by the way, we come. We come upon this fact that she's pregnant by uh, her meeting a man that she is dating in a in a coffee shop or a bookshop or hotel, or whatever it is. Uh, him giving her a book and says it's about a woman who died in an operation trying to essentially have an abortion don't end up like this girl <laughs> that's the way we're introduced to this pregnancy and the first thing i wrote down feverishly was pregnant like is she in fact pregnant and the next scene we figure out that she is pregnant yeah it's I, I, again I, I think it's wild because i don't think he reacts to the pregnancy in any pause like once she tells michelle that he that she's pregnant that's pretty much the last bit that we hear about it. That's it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think he even does the classic, like, how do you even know it's mine? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, listen, to be fair, though, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, she is seemingly dating other people. I don't well, know if I it's the same she, guy we saw her I, with. I think when she was talking to the cop, she said, like, I don't know if she was lying to the cop, but she says, like, I've only known this man, a, like, not long. Like, their relationship yeah, she, is pretty new right right and her eventually selling him out to the police she's like i don't want i'm not like gonna give it all for this guy which i think i think it's so funny because let's let's talk about her arc of it right like we find patricia gene sebring's character on the street selling (laughs) selling New York, the New York Herald in English, might I add, which I think is hilarious. Uh, I, I mean, maybe they do that, but I think it's funny to be in France yelling in English about a newspaper, about American newspapers. Yeah, they have, like they have this conversation. Like we finally see the two of them meet up, and it's it's all very like casual, isn't it? Like there's no yeah, like, bonds to speak brand. of. Like she didn't yeah. even stop selling newspapers when he when they first ran into each other. Like she's he, she just kept walking. And let him follow her, and he even was like, "I'll buy, I'll buy a newspaper from you." (laughs) (laughs) Almost like, almost like buying her time. Well, exactly, exactly. And then he gives the newspaper back at the end. Sorry, just to go down the line a bit. They have this. I think I, I really do love Gene Sebring in this. I really, really do. Uh, I, I loved her not great French accent. Oh, sir. Like, it was terrible. Every, every time she spoke, it was so, so clearly evident that she was American. 
<laughs> I I wrote down I wrote down why does she not she she doesn't know the weirdest words in French. <laughs> like uh, you know, it'd be like it, he'd call her a potato or something like that. She'd be like, "What's a potato?" And what I'm like, "Wait, potato? what? How do you you speak?" Like she speaks fairly fluent French, but doesn't know what certain words are, which is absolutely true to languages, right? But it sort of was funny to add in the fact that she didn't know these random words. Uh, but I love that because then, like at the end, when he dies, he says something to her, and she's just like, "Come again? What, what was that?" She like doesn't <laughs> either. She doesn't know the word, or she doesn't understand like what he's saying. But she's just like, huh? yeah. <laughs> It's like it's like a long game for this for this last joke, which I I definitely appreciated. I think because it kind of minimizes his final words. <laughs> like imagine you're dying, you just got shot, you're in the middle of a street, and you're literally just bleeding out. This is it. And you say your final words to your lover, and they just go, come again? Like just the <laughs> Just the unimportance of it all is really very French. <laughs> it, no, it, it is. It is, and I, you know, what to to say to speak of of the film and how French it is. I think we got a lot of what I'm calling disjointed or fast cuts and scenes that that mm-hmm. took place, but we also got these really long and sweeping and drawn out scenes that that felt po- like the the grammar of it and in film felt so so poetic despite the fact that maybe the substance of the actual scene maybe wasn't as important as what was going on, you know, to the story. Oh, yeah, um, we, we follow Michelle going through these... Because while he's trying to pursue Patricia, he's also trying to get his money from this Italian guy. From, the, from, the, minute, from the minute the the movie starts to the minute I, it ends, he's still yeah, trying to get money say, from I, Yeah, it's, it's actually probably more important than his pursuit of Patricia. Because it's it's almost like he's just pursuing Patricia in the meantime while he's getting his money. I I now that you say that say it like that I completely agree. But what was never set up front for the audience anyway was like, for a minute I actually started to lose hope that this person was real. Like I I, I didn't. I feel like he was almost wasting our time by making these phone calls every other scene. And then he yeah he runs into the Italian guy the last scene. Right when he was like about to yeah, skip yeah. down. Oh, and this Italian guy ruins his life. <laughs> this, this Italian guy is the reason he he gets shot. Uh, before we before we get to the last scene, because I do want to talk about the last scene, I have uh, I have a few notes, just about some things I generally enjoyed about the film, and things that I have questions on that I I want to know what you think about. For one. There was a narrator on this film. There were actually more than one narrator during the film. It was Michelle at the very beginning narrating the film and talking directly to the camera. And then immediately after this, I think this happened maybe once where where he looked directly in the camera, but then another time where he was talking directly to the audience. But beyond that, it was in an almost non-cliche way, but towards the end of it, it got really funny, was like the radio broadcast, the the like the the signs saying that like, you know they're closing in on an arrest they're closing in on him all yeah, of this newspapers. was the news, exactly all of this was like signals for the audience which i appreciated very very much because again it didn't feel cliched in a way that it was just there to give 
exposition like we do in modern films now where it's like oh yeah there's a funeral happening at three and then all of a sudden we find ourselves at the funeral that kind of happened but for no like for no reason like they shot this during a time that president eisenhower was going to be in france but it had nothing to do with the story yeah i was waiting the first couple times they did it i was waiting for them to comment on it like oh hey eisenhower but no one (laughs) does anything directly it's it really has nothing to do with his pursuit or their pursuit of him or any of his crimes which which i think which i think adds a few things because they like they shot this and you get to see either his motorcade or maybe his vehicle or whatever it is. You get to see it traveling down the Champs-Élysées. And it adds, it adds this bit of authenticity, right? And it's almost perfect because she's American and this is happening to honor the, 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 the is it called the unknown soldier? Mm-hmm. Right? And didn't we, I'm so sorry if I'm missing this, but Michelle's character was a soldier? If I'm not mistaken, oh, or he was in the arm, he was in the armed forces or something like this. I could be completely wrong and fucking this up, but I did find something poetic that this accident of them shooting during Eisenhower being in France somehow connected to the story. Again, I'm I I could be wrong, so you you can just leave me alone. I mean, either um, way, whether he was a soldier or not, it still speaks to like this life that he's created right because he's based more or less based his life around this famous american actor he's pursuing this american girl he's trying to get away from maybe not necessarily france but he's trying to get away from this life that he's found himself in trouble in so yeah. i can see i can see some connection between that and eisenhower visiting well, thank you very much. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> what, I al- <laughs> Wait, what, what I also found really interesting and really fun was those bits of comedy and very subtle, like surrealism that was that was kind of happening throughout the film. Yeah, because their their dialogue, their conversation is so so casual for being wanted for murder. Yeah, right, and robbery. R- like they're so I mean, at ease about everything. Even at the end, even when he's finally gets the money and he's trying to run from the cops, it's like a slow jog. <laughs> it's a it's a like slow nothing, jog. Everything that in this movie is very casual. Which speaks to the or not speaks to but it it encapsulates the French New Wave. Like that style of the actors or the characters kind of just laissez-faire attitudes towards life I mean, a- absolutely and then one of the last notes i have here is the fact that he karate chopped a man in the bathroom and knocked him unconscious is one of my favorite things yeah why did he do that again he, he just <laughs> he just moves the guy to a stall and then leave he doesn't no. He did. He did take his money. He did take oh, his he money. Took money. Okay. Okay. Uh, because everything is about money. But then I really question how. Like I get if he's poor and has zero dollars, but I think this film took over the course of like a few days, and he keeps getting money somehow, some way. But it's almost it's never enough. So I'm <laughs> yeah, confused about how he spends his money. When he karate chops that guy in the bathroom, it only seems like a compulsion that he has, or he's just like. 
Because I think he was at the urinal, and then he turned around, and he's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, ex- exactly. Uh, which leads me to believe that, like, when he got to Italy, if he had, you know, actually run away, what would his life look like? I don't, like, I think how, it depends how would on it... whether she comes with him or not. I don't know. I, I, I think there's only one way for this film to have ended, which is this way, because mm-hmm. she wouldn't have left. And I don't think he would have left without her. Yeah, you know what? Even if she did go with him, it wouldn't have changed anything. Like, he, he they would have run to the same trouble wherever they went next. Exactly. And I, I, I don't know the laws in 1960, but I, I feel like going off to Italy is not that far of a jump, you know, when you're wanted for murder. Oh, in the 60s, um, there were no laws. Yeah, there were, there were no laws. <laughs> By the way, what? Did I miss a bit where Patricia finds out that he murdered someone? Because she, the cop comes to her work, the cop comes to work, and he goes, I'm looking for Michelle. He's wanted for murder, or whatever it is. Maybe she finds, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we see her see this. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't react. She's, she's like, I don't know where he's been. Yeah, she keeps it like a, I was like, that's why I thought I felt very, I saw a lot of Bonnie and Clyde connections because I was like, oh, she's a ride or die. Like she's staying with him. She's going to lie to the cops. Right. And then she quickly is like, oh, no, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) But like to to what end does she lie to the cops for a man that she hasn't, that she slept with four or five times or at least seen four or five times. You don't know how many times they slept together. Yeah. And then, but but all of this, all of this, everything that kind of happens is told in a story that he told her in a car about another man, who another thief or you know criminal who told his lover that he was a thief and criminal, and he died. Which again, I think it's just, I think it's just, it's just, it's just brilliant in ways that aren't cliched. And I can't tell you maybe maybe because it feels so fresh and not. And like a new idea and not like, oh, I've seen this done in 4,000 other movies. This is how to get this across. You know what I mean? Well, this is also like more or less the first time we saw a lot of these tropes in cinema. So you kind of, even though French New Wave has become like such a stronghold, like it's such an identifiable genre. But even watching this movie, you can tell that for the time, this was new. Like, all the stuff they're doing stylistically, storytelling-wise, like, everything feels like it hasn't been done before. Which which is great, because, like, we are watching this 50, 60... Like, we're, we're watching these films decades after, mm-hmm. after they're made, and they feel fresh, and I really enjoy that. I know we watched another movie recently where I was like, this feels, this feels like any other movie I've seen. So, like, you can definitely feel how stale something is, or how, just, how much it just hasn't aged. But let's, let's do a quick diversion away from the movie for just a second and talk about the people in the film, which we started to earlier, and then I jumped into the film, because I'm, I'm a dumb-dumb. So... The stars, right? Well, first of all, movies take so much, uh, like, so long to film that I'm shocked when I see directors, for example, with dozens and dozens of credits, like, during this time period anyway. Because right Mm -hmm. now, you can make a movie in a day and it be at a film festival next week. At this time in the 60s, like, people that we know, Godard, 
Truffaut, they have a handful of credits to their name. Do you know this? No. Like, like Truffaut, for example. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm a liar. Nope. Nope, nope. Oh, wait, okay. If you had to guess how many things that Truffaut directed, how many would they be? By this point? Or in total? And his... Uh, up, up in like his entire his entire career, which, if you include his first short on, on IMDb, is nineteen fifty five. Oh, he had a he had a I'll give you even a hint he had like a twenty something year uh, run. I'd say of directing. Oh damn! I feel like whatever I guess I'm gonna say it's gonna be the opposite. I'd say twenty two. Dude, that's really good. It's twenty eight. Oh okay. Damn, that's <laughs> I was thinking you were gonna be pushing it. No, like, that's really, that's really, I actually think it's pretty good. But uh, name those 28 credits. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <All right. laughs> no, but my, my point is, my point is, my point is someone like Spielberg, someone like, I don't know, I, don't, I just don't know directors. Someone like Spielberg will probably have 100 credits, and I'm sure you can name all of his credits. Like, just film, film, making films just took so fucking long, excuse me, took so long that I'm just shocked and amazed and happy that things that these people are able to make such uh, such an impression with what they were able to produce. Yeah, and because you know the resources were much less than they are today. Like today, they, I mean, things are changing, but they, for a while, they were shelling out a lot of, like studios were shelling out a lot of money for movies. Movies that weren't necessarily like good. <laughs> No, I, I, that's one hundred percent true. By the way, speaking of speaking of credits, Godard, who's still alive, one hundred and twenty nine directing credits to his name. Whoa, one hundred and twenty, including shorts and video. Is this video games? Oh, it's just a video short. Video yeah, game. Wild. No, not video games. Not video games. <laughs> that's his next adventure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like eighty something, right? Eighty three, I think. Here's a quick fun fact about one of the stars of the movie, Gene. Please. Seberg was a target of the FBI COINTEL program in the sixties. I've been calling I've been calling it GC Bring all day. I do not know why. I can only deeply apologize. <laughs> it's, it's her favorite car. It was a Sebring. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Okay, she's targeted. Tell for me why. Support of the Black Panther Party. Her her husband after her death said that that was the cause of her death was their, she, their, their she, pursuit of her. She was she committed suicide, right? Allegedly. Oh! Damn. Yo, the FBI was murdering mad people in the 60s. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> like, they, saw, them, they saw the movie and they, they thought it was real life. They did. <laughs> they were like, she, yeah, she's an accomplice. I, that's, that's actually super sad, man. She's only four. Meanwhile... She was only 40. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jean-Paul is 87 years old, still alive, still yeah, making old, stuff. Big old old man schnoz. He does. He does. He, he, he fathered a kid at the, at the early age of 80 years old. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's 70. He was 70. His fourth oh, okay. kid. That's, so he had, he had, he had other kids. Good, yeah. I just want you to know that I got it wrong by 10. Oh, that's that's reasonable. 70? I think so. <laughs> He'll be able to go to like middle school, what? I don't know, elementary school graduation or something? Yeah, you could, you could hold them for like a year. 
<laughs> oh, what's that? Oh, old dads. Old dads. Let's see. I have some other fun facts here. Hold on. Let me let me throw it up. So, see, speaking of Sebring, which I will now call her ironically <laughs> at this point, coming coming from America and doing those films, she did not really understand or like the way films are being made here. By the way, this film took 23 days to make. 23. That's so short in comparison to, let's say, The Great Dictator that took over a year to make. I mean, that's how um, they squeezed how he squeezed 28 movies into 20 years. Exactly. No, but it's... Yeah, so like her style of doing films was very different from the way they were doing films in France. And yeah, there, were, there, were some, there was some heat on it. Like she... She had notes for the character and wanted it to be done a certain way in a very traditional way. And he was, Godard was like, nah, bro, we don't do films like that here. Or at least I don't want this film to be like that. So, so that, you know, it all worked out in the end, but but there was definitely some tension. Because of the, the, the camera that was being used was noisy, so it had to dub all of the all of the, the audio mm-hmm. and he showed her a cut of some scenes that they had argued about. And she was like, you're absolutely right. It should have been done this way, <laughs> which can't like, can you imagine someone like an actor being like, I'm not going to do this. And the director's like, all right, but like, can you just try it this way? And like, we'll, we'll look at it later. And then like the vindication of someone being like, I yeah. told you it'd work out this way. It's just like, damn, you're absolutely right. This is the better way. Uh, but Wait, was being, he, I'd be very annoyed. Is he Go known on. as being, like a hard to work with director? I don't think so. That's not the impression that I got from anything that I've looked up. But and no, I don't I don't again I don't I don't think so. I mean he again he's still he's still doing his thing decades later. So Yeah, because his work not. is so prolific and like iconic. You know, like he's one of the forefathers of French New Wave. That yeah. it almost seems like he has to be an asshole as well. <laughs> you know, <because laughs> directors that we have nowadays that are praised and lauded as being these great directors, a lot of times they're not <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I have a fun fact. Oh, yeah, so fun facts. One day Godard was like, you know what, bro? I don't feel well. I'm going to, I'm calling in sick. I, I can't go in today. Call the crew. The crew was very small. This is French New Wave after all. So the producer called everyone, let them know that, you know, we weren't working today. Went down to the to the cafe to grab some food. Lo and behold, good old Jean-Luc sitting there having food. Legend has it that they got into a fist fight. About what? Because he called in sick when they were making a movie oh. at a restaurant eating food and having a good old day. See, that's how, like, I was like, oh, yeah, he's just getting <laughs> lunch while he's sick. That's, you can still do that. <laughs> but speaking of resources, you know, when we do long dolly shots and, and try to get smooth motion and we don't have any you know, equipment to do that, these days you'll see a lot of indie filmmakers using wheelchairs to push people around and get those smooth shots on this very film they have a like they are pushing someone on a wheelchair to get these long steady shots which Whoa, i thought was really, really? fun. yeah it's like a, and he it's like a college film yeah. <laughs> and he only found out because um 
he only did it because another filmmaker, he like another filmmaker friend of his, like suggested it. So like these are old like trade secrets being. Oh, being that's, passed that's his big secret. Hey, you yeah, want two right. shots <laughs> where there's a chair with wheels? Listen, it it works. It worked. My, my keyboard is not working for some reason. There we go. There we go. Yep, he got the idea from Jean Pierre Melville, uh, who had used the same technique on a different movie, on two different movies, French movies. And and that technique <laughs> has gone down on so many so many movies. Yeah, it absolutely has. Or um, how many the movies thing, actually have used wheelchairs? I feel like these things should be documented. I feel like it's more than we think. I, yeah, it, no, yeah. Unless you're a Marvel film or something like that, I feel like someone's using a janky, a janky ass trick just to even, get a even shot. Those, for their I feel like some of those probably have a wheelchair, at least one shot. I mean, not not to sound too uh, pretentious, but like when I found out that Need for Speed used GoPros to to get in. Uh, like footage of, their, of like of the inside of the car was like ha dang budget uh, but meanwhile it's a perfectly fine camera to use for the inside of like small yeah, now spaces they have, like, it's what it's four, been for 4k gopros <laughs> yeah exactly listen before before we end this thing and we've talked about this so much longer than i thought we would <laughs> oh, yeah it's been surprisingly long before we end this thing can we just talk about the last scene Please. I mean, we've already touched on it. Patricia's character, Gene Seberg's character, calls the police randomly. Like, from the audience point of view, this is a very random action that she's doing. And lo and behold, she comes in. She comes back to the room with, with Michelle and says, I've just called the cops. And he barely reacts. Yeah, and this goes back to his whole, like, movie star bad boy i don't know if he's genuinely like i don't care do what you gotta do yeah or if he's just like putting on a front for her so he can still hopefully sleep with her run away yeah <laughs> oh, sleep or with her. Run away. yeah no I, I yeah i think his motives are too prompt he so he he does he he eventually runs away from the apartment that they're in oh no no he doesn't run away the italian guy shows up <laughs> and he only he leaves gets- with his money he gets the money from the Italian guy while the cops are on the same block. They're like half a block behind him. And yeah. he's getting the money out of a convertible <laughs> on <laughs> and, the same and, block as the police. And as we said earlier, the Italian guy's like, the, you know, if the cops are after you, take this gun. And Michelle's like, no, I don't need this gun. <laughs> they, they, the cops actually show up. Everyone acknowledges the cops are on the block. And the Italian guy throws the gun at him. <laughs> and of course, he doesn't catch it because he's not, at yeah. least my interpretation was, he wasn't expecting a gun to get thrown at him. But the guy, of course, this is the 60s, <laughs> stupidly, Michelle stupidly goes over to pick the gun up to give it back. Well, he doesn't want to be course, rude. He doesn't want to be rude. Why, why would he <laughs> ever be rude? That would kill someone. The cops are already pointing all of their weapons at, at Michelle. He picks it up. And this one solo cop sh- shoots him once. One time <laughs> is all it takes. By the way, in the front, I, I, I'm pretty certain he shot him in the front. I think he did, yeah. Uh, and then he just yeah, we, turns and hobbles away. He turns and hobbles away. But it, like, like you said earlier, it was a fast jog that lasted a solid minute and a half. 
of him going a few blocks down and eventually collapsing onto the ground. You know what? This is how I know the Italian guy isn't a good friend. Again, it's a convertible. He could have easily jumped in the back of his car. Could have easily jumped off. in the back of the car. Yeah. And no yeah. one, <laughs> both of them are like, all right, well, this is over. <laughs> I do think I do think he offered. I believe he offered to take him, and he was like, no, I'm good, for some reason. <laughs> Again, for some he, reason. he's trying to live up to that. that it's the French generosity? I was going to say the, the Hollywood the Hollywood hero. He he doesn't want to go see. out in a car. He's like, oh no, I'll just run away. I'll get away on foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does not. He does not get away at all. And instead, it collapses to the ground after this gunshot wound. And the much disputed translated line. What does he say? Uh, well, it depends on who you ask. I, I after yeah, reading about it, I was like, oh, this makes sense. The one I watched, he calls her a louse again. Because this is like the third or fourth time he's called her this. Oh, wait, so what was it? Elsewhere, he says puke. I want The one I watched said puke, yeah. Either way, he says something insulting to her. (laughs) Well, again, that's the question. The question is, was it insulting to her? Right. Or towards her or towards the town? Like, no one knew exactly what. Right. Either way. No one knew exactly what was going on. Talk about comedy. (laughs) What does that mean? Yeah. And yeah. then having the police detective translate. Which is, which is funny because it's only followed up by the action of him closing his own eyes to die. <laughs> See, like, as in, like, he takes his hands and closes his eyes. There are a lot of things like that in this movie where I was like, I understand the importance of it, but come on. <laughs> Even in the 60s, someone had to have known, hey, this is weird. <laughs> It was it was weird. It was weird. But but then I finally I for me I came back to the thought and realization that this woman is pregnant, and then I thought of the line that the the author said to her during the interview about halfway through, and he says some uh, Patricia's question was what are your ambitions in life or something like that, and his response is to become immortal and die. Yeah, that's. that's that's what he, I feel like that's exactly what he did. Yeah, because, you know, he, he. I think he knows that he will live on with his son, despite, again, that he, or son or daughter, I, I don't know, but despite the fact that it's never talked about in the second half of the film. Yeah, I, I think I, I think he knows that. Yeah, he's yeah, become his will this, not necessarily villain, but he's become this, this, this portrait of a, of a villain. Murder, thief, uh, lover, and he's like, "All right, I got it. I accomplished it. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm done." But again, almost uh, unnecessarily kills this cop to begin with, which I find infuriating because he could he could have run away. Like he was doing such a great job running away at the start of this film. Pulled over. (laughs) He pulled over. Listen, then let's let's wrap this up. It's gone on for too long. What, what do you think about this film? Required watching or no? You know what? Having talked about that last scene and the the ridiculous moments throughout this film, which aren't necessarily bad. Yeah, I'm gonna. I don't know. If this is a hot. This is a hot take. I guess I want to say no. Not required. Oh, well. It's not required as. 
like your first French New Wave film. I will say, if you're looking at French New Wave as like a whole with many different parts, yes, required with other movies. But as its own, I don't know. It just, it was very, I don't know how to criticize it without sounding. Go on, um, it. <laughs> it's just uh, so many of it, so many elements in this movie are present in other French New Wave films. Sure. That I think this one, where it falls short, it falls very short. You know, between the, the jumps and this weird relationship, and not that I want it, like, spoon-fed to me, but I've seen it done in other French New Wave films. I I hear you. Dan, I hear you. And honestly, you I think you, you're about to get me to swing my my <laughs> my my thought on this. But here's the thing. Having having dipped into the Truffaut pool with 400 blows, I mean, at the very least look at 400 blows, right? Which mm-hmm. is very I think similar. I, I I won't say better or worse. I definitely think it's similar and I I I really do like 400 blows. I hear what you're saying. I I do think there are looking at how we use this film as a or this film and I guess this genre as a template for what we do today, you know, like 80 uh, 60 years later. I think this film is important and I think this genre is very important to how we make films today. And I think as anyone is trying to look at making films themselves, you'd be remiss to to not look at French New Wave and see what came before and see how things were done in a way that didn't feel cliche and that didn't feel tacky and that felt, again, authentic. Because yeah. like when it comes to permits, the permits weren't used on this film. Or permits oh, yeah. were used and, on this film, but kind of. And like you know, like I said, we said the wheelchair. And, and uh, anything that does feel cliche is only because this is what solidified it as the thing to do. You know, like this was, right. I, I understand that this is like the the temple of French New Wave. But I think as a solo film, and, and it kind of goes on to what you just said, if you're looking at French New Wave as a genre, yeah, you can't separate this. Like, you need to watch this movie. Yeah, you can't skip but it. this movie on its own, I'm not so sure. I think this movie, like if, if it's hard. It's I think it's hard asking if something is required because there are a lot of different categories to go down. If we if we were to specify this, or better yet, just broaden this a little bit. I haven't even given my, my result yet. I think I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> I think... Stalling. I, I am stalling. To answer the question, I think... I, I'm, I agree with you. Not required, but highly recommended. Mm. And I, 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 I vow to myself... Go on. French New Wave is required. And, and French New Wave, this and several other movies would go into that as a central. Absolutely. If we're looking at if we're looking at you know the entirety of cinema as a whole and saying what films can you take out to learn a whole, a whole hell of a lot from, this would be up on that list for sure. But I'm not sure if it'd be at the top of the list. Yeah. And yeah, there there are there are other French New Wave films that well we'll have to watch and get into and really, really be able to talk about because I think we're building up this, we're building up that there's a lot, there's a lot of other French New Wave film that, that surpasses this. 
Yeah. Um, and honestly, so I don't, I, I'm not that, like, I know the almost at this point cliche or like stereotypical French new wave, black and white existential dialogue. Um, a lot of cuts. Like I understand the, the small elements of it, but honestly, sure. I have to, I have to delve into the genre more as well. Yeah, you know, and I think I think that's the thing is I think to understand one, you have to understand the whole. Like I, 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 I think it's hard to look at this film and take it away from the rest of the pack. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be able to look at the pack and then be able to categorize and say, you know, I rank this film best and worst, like everything else. Because listen, I, I completely agree. I am no master of, of French New Wave at all, but I understand the importance of it and I understand what it is that it's trying to accomplish and what it is that it's trying to do. But yeah, I, I 100% yeah. think that this is something that I recommend to people, but I'm not sure quite yet at this very moment if I think it's the pinnacle of of, of French New Wave. Yeah, and I mean, the whole um, idea of French New Wave was to go against the traditional filmmaking style. Right. So it kind of goes hand in hand that it's not going to be easy to digest or there's going to be a lot of, maybe for lack of a better word, criticism about what you're seeing. Like yeah, not liking the characters or not understanding the relationships or just kind of being confused by the general, like just being left confused at the end of the movie and and there's a lot to be confused about like in all seriousness because i think this movie is a lot of fun and i think uh, i I think it sounds like maybe like we're making a joke out of about the movie but this movie is a lot of fun to watch but you Mm. you have to be kind of turned on to it to watch it this isn't just to compare a popular subtitled film right like this isn't parasite where you can look down look back up and still understand what's going on parasite gets wild so maybe that's not a, the greatest example but you know the first yeah, 30 minutes of, uh, of parasite you're like yeah. yo they're poor i get it yeah um, it kind of it kind of is part and parcel with french new wave that you're gonna have questions and it's not gonna be an easily digestible experience yeah it's not it's not clean it's definitely yeah, not clean it's not but clean. but it's it, it is enjoyable but, but enjoyable but it it's it requires a certain taste I, I, I don't know, and this was a commercial success, but I don't know a lot of my friends, and this is the point of the podcast in and of itself, and, you know, in the film club, as, as it's now called, is, like, I'm not sure how many of my friends would watch this movie and be like, oh, man, this was amazing. Yeah. Like, this, like, I was so tuned in, and that has a lot to do with the times and how things have changed with audience uh, attention and all this jazz, and I don't want to get into the idea that millennials just don't pay attention to things, but... As you said, I think there are other films that kind of do what this film is doing better. Yeah. But I acknowledge that they're only doing it better because of films like this. Yeah, they also, yeah, they do it hand in hand with this film. Right. Listen, we've gone for this movie movie for like an hour. We're done. We're almost (laughs) as long as the movie itself. (laughs) Honestly, Dan, tell the people where they can find you, please. Uh, You can find me at LinkedIn at Daniel Taverner. Uh, the link will be in the show notes if you want to find Daniel LinkedIn. Uh, listen, thanks for what? Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, let's let's end this. <laughs> Bye.
So that's our episode. I'm your host, Trey Epps. What did you think of the movie? Did I get it right or was I completely off base? Leave a message and we'll play it during our, ex- our next episode and discuss. Required Watching is a movie club, so as much as I'd love to hear my own voice, I would love to hear from you guys. There's a link in the show notes where you can leave a voice message or you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Required Watch. See you there.